0: Hey, everybody, who loves coffee? I love coffee. I know you love coffee. And if you don't love coffee, you know what? You should probably start loving coffee. And I got just the coffee for you guys. You can go to lionsofliberty.com slash coffee and purchase a bag of The Morning Roar. Uh, It's a partnership we have with our friends at Anarcho Coffee. Uh, It's a delicious blend. I drink it every single morning out of my French press because I'm classy like that, and it's the best way to drink coffee. You don't have to drink it out of a French press. You can put it in your little fancy Keurig machine or your coffee maker. However, you drink coffee, you can get it that way. Um, you're going to get the coffee, so go to lionsofliberty.com coffee. You're going to follow a link that's going to take you over there, which makes sure that we get a little credit for kicking some business that way. We get paid. It's fantastic. So make sure you're buying it through this link. And I also want to remind you that there is a, uh, a code. If you join the Lions of Liberty Pride at the $10 or higher level, we have a coffee code that is going to get you 15% off every time you buy the Morning Roar. So check it out, lionsofliberty.com slash coffee.
1: Welcome to Felony Friday. A presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast.
0: Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to another edition of Felony Friday, a weekly show right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. And every single week on Felony Friday, we are taking a look at our broken Criminal justice system. This week, got an awesome show. Have a guest that is going to talk about his personal experience going through the system, what he learned, how he changed himself, and how he has found success after prison. A couple notes before we get started, and I introduce my guest. Just want to remind you guys that. Felony Friday is one of three shows on Lines of Liberty. We start every week with our longest-running program on Monday. It's our flagship program hosted by Mark Claire. where Mark primarily will interview leaders in the liberty movement on Wednesday. We have Electric Liberty Land, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty hosted by Brian McWilliams. Always keeping it fun, keeping you on your toes. Uh, you can get all three of these podcasts, of course, by subscribing anywhere you get podcasts and get every all three of these shows delivered to your smartphone every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Also, if you like what we're doing, if you're a longtime listener, please consider joining the Lions of Liberty Pride for as little as $5 a month. You get access to all of our bonus content, and we have a lot of different bonus content we roll out every single week. Uh, some of it is ridiculous; it's funny. It's uh, it's a lot different, and you get to know us, the the hosts here behind behind lines of liberty. You get to know us a lot better by uh, by joining the uh, the pride. So please think about that. Go to Patreon.com/slash Lines of Liberty to check that out. Oh, just one more note before we get into today's show. This is episode 197 of Felony Friday. That means the show notes page can be found at lionsofliberty.com slash FF197. Let's get rolling into the show. My guest today on Felony Friday is Draco Sullivan. Uh, Draco grew up under difficult circumstances with his mother addicted to crack uh, since he was eight years old. And because of that, Draco took a role in helping to raise his siblings. He started selling drugs at the age of 13 and was first arrested for selling drugs at, uh, at 17. After his third conviction, he landed in federal prison for a 262-month sentence. Uh, while he was incarcerated, uh, he wrote and published a book titled At All Costs, and he also uh, learned various trades uh, boiler Maintenance, HVAC, and Electrical. And Draco was released this past April uh, of this year. So uh, looking forward to getting him to share his story with you, Draco. Welcome to Felony Friday.
1: Hey, thank you. I really appreciate this opportunity. had hey, well, to be here, man.
0: Appreciate you coming on the show, man. I know we've had, uh, you know, getting our schedules to, to sync up. Uh, we've been working at that, but I'm really glad yeah. uh you know to be speaking with you right now. So what I like to start out like the first question I like to ask my guests just to sort of set the table for your story is start start at the beginning, right? So if you could just start out yeah. by just sharing with my audience um what what those early early years were like. I know they were they were difficult. I talked about in the intro there with, with your mother being addicted to crack, but if you could share where you, where you grew up and, and and what that was like for you.
1: Well, I grew up in um I was born in Greenville, South Carolina and I grew up on the West end of Greenville. And for me, like initially, like the early, early years that I can remember or recollect on, it was glorious. It was pretty good, you know, Before my mom got addicted to crack, for 80s hit and for that time came. But after that, you know, it was like many other stories we hear, you know, or many other stories we know of in America that we might turn a, a blind eye to. That, you know, being the oldest of four and my mom being a single parent, after her and my stepfather split and her addiction coming into play, things was really rough. It's like looking at it now, I like to call it life in action. Because when life is in action, you're going to do one or two things. <laughs> you're going to fall out the script or you're going to play your role and do what you got to do to make things happen. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. I found myself in strenuous situations that caused me to react and do what I had to do. Because it's either that or, you know, fall up on the script. Like, I have a friend, she always say, sink or swim. And I chose to swim and not sink. Unfortunately, the choices I made led me to undesirable consequences. But growing up, man, it's rough. Like, any ghetto or any neighborhood that's infested with prostitution, drugs, and violence, then you're going to have certain products. If a neighborhood or a project is infested with certain things, it's going to produce a certain product. You know, not saying that everybody in that neighborhood, because I have friends that went on to play in the NBA. I have friends that went on to have successful lives that work in the NFL. I have friends and people I know that went up, you know, military, they done good things. So not everything come out of that neighborhood is bad. West Greenwood produced a lot of great individuals. But unfortunately, you have have another side of the road that I chose to walk on because i seen it being an easy fix to what I had going on. And that is poverty to a level that's unbelievable to be in America. I'm talking about, you know, not knowing if I'm going to eat tonight or what I'm going to eat tonight or, you know, having no running water, having no lights and staying with relatives because we wasn't able to keep up rent. So when you become a teenager or you become – old enough to understand that I'm not gonna accept this. Now, what are you gonna do about it? Yes, I try to get odd jobs and things of that nature, but being 13, legally, who can hire me? Right. You see? So now it's it's double-edged sword I'm playing with. So now I turn to the streets. The streets are always hiring. Mm I don't care what age you are. The streets are hiring. So that's what I turned to. And for me, it became a lifelong lesson that now I look back and look at the things i learned through the journey I took. And it may sound crazy, it's a lot that I wouldn't change. You know, I would want better, I would want it to be different, but I'm afraid if those circumstances and things change, looking at it right now, will I be proud to say who I am today? You understand? Yeah. See, there's some things that I look at now and say, hey, this some sacrifices that was made. If you look at, you know, if you, I don't know how religious you are, or, you know, if you look at a biblical standpoint, mm-hmm. if you look in the stories in the Bible, the sacrifices that was made, and after those sacrifices were made, you see the fruit of the things that was benefited from it, all the way up until the death of Christ, you see?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, even even Joel and, and every major prophet in the Bible made great sacrifices, or was willing to make sacrifices. So, I look at it as, my lessons and things that I went through in life—it was hardship and it was very hurtful, but it was a sacrifice that needed to be made in order for me to become the person I am today. So I'm a, I'm in acceptance of that, and I don't have any regrets as a as opposed uh, you know towards my mom or nobody.
0: I, I think that's really admirable to to say that, and you know that is that is a theme that I do hear um, on this show. And I think that's really sort of, sort of almost the way you have to be because you can't be looking back thinking, I, "I wish I could change the past." What if I did this differently? What if I did this differently? The past is the past, and it happened. And yeah. like you just you know said very eloquently there. I mean, the, the past, the mistakes you made in the past, the sacrifices you made, would made, made you who you are today. You wouldn't be the same person. We wouldn't. We probably wouldn't be talking right now. Yeah. You wouldn't be sharing your story right now with thousands of people. Um, If you if you hadn't made um, made those mistakes, made those decisions, Mm -hmm. Um, I I do want to ask you. So at 13 years old, you started selling drugs, and you talked about you know you were put in a situation where you had to do something. Did you see Did you see older people in your community that were selling drugs that were that were doing fairly well?
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah, we we have stories, or we know of guys that you know we call. I guess street success because we don't know at early stage, you don't know the backside of that car. All you see is the shiny things. You see the money, you see the cars, you see the, 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 what we think to be ease, like the, you know, everything's coming to that person with ease. When you see a guy that's in the neighborhood and the, what's parked in his driveway is worth more than what he's living in. You know, that's backwards, but mm-hmm. it's intriguing. It's inviting. So you want these things. And all you have to do is stand out here on this corner and pass this on to somebody that wants it and be willing to take the risk to do that. Hey, to a kid that's hungry. See, my purpose was to feed my family. My whole my initial inner and hustling and doing what I did in the streets was strictly to take care of my sisters and brothers and not let the government or not let social servants take us from our mom. You know. That was my initiative initiative in the beginning. And even up until I got older and busted, I was still taking care of most of my family any way I could. If somebody needed money for rent, I was there. If somebody needed money for food, I was there, or for any bills or anything. And to this day, if I'm in a position to help any of my family members, I'm going to do it because this is how we was raised and brought up. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I just turned to the streets to make it happen. And that, in return, is against the law here in America, or anywhere. It's against the law. It's nothing about, and it doesn't make it right because I was in the situation I was in. It's not. I realize now it's not all right to break the law in any circumstance because without law, we would have total chaos. But on the flip side, is this law just? That's what we have to look at. Exactly. That's my right. You see, is this law just? Now you take me for an example, and I use this example because it's very true. And i mean, I, I mean I seen it with my own eyes. And you take me for example, I don't I didn't have a crime of violence, didn't shoot anybody, didn't hurt anybody, take nothing from nobody or anything. I just got caught with a significant amount of drugs. All right. And I never been to prison. Well, I've been to prison nine months prior to me getting this case. And my sentence ended up being, well, start off with a life sentence because of me pleading guilty and choosing to accept my responsibilities. I got down to 22, 21 years and 10 months. So now, and I served 18 years of that 21 years and 10 months. Now, you take a guy that get on the internet and invite a young lady that's 14 years old to a McDonald's so she can meet her so-called new friend right? Mm-hmm. And he kidnaps her. He takes her across state line to his place, locks her in the basement, restrains her against the wall, you know, tired like he and she in a dungeon. He mutilates her by biting off her nipple. He sodomized her. He rapes her repeatedly for three whole days and basically didn't feed a nun's time. And he gets 20 years. He served less time I, than I do. We're in the world does this make sense to anybody if that doesn't need to be reviewed and looked at here it is now (laughs) all I did was sold drugs not saying that's right or no better but let's be logical here you take a 14 year old girl you damage that person for the rest of their life Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but the great thing about this young lady and I admire her I don't want to call her name because I don't you know but the great thing I admire about this young lady because I followed her after I read the story and it just so happened that, that the guy that did this was serving time with me in the cell, and me in the same, yeah, in the same housing on the same compound, the same federal facility that I was serving time at. That's how I become familiar with this. And you look at it, that, my friend, was was one of the things that really fueled my move to change. And that what you know, and I wrote in my book, Embracing Change, and that's the second book that I wrote. Embracing Change is a memoir based on my life that's available on Amazon, too. But these are the things I talk about, and this is what promoted that change. When I look at the way society is structured and how it was set up for certain individuals to be punished more harshly than others, I choose not to be in in that spider web. I choose not to make those same decisions I made, and it helped me to have a chance to look back and reflect on me as a person reflect on my situation and learn how to not only develop empathy for others, but to have love and respect for myself so I can learn, have love and respect for you and not be judgmental because you're Caucasian or because you're Asian, because you're African American or because you're African or whatever the case may be. I learned to love myself in order to love others and that's what's missing in this world. That's why we have these draconian laws and these outrageous sentences for things that doesn't matter because they're talking a particular set. And it doesn't matter if you're black or white. It matters the class. And that's what we're missing. If you're poor, then (laughs) this is where you stand. If you're not contributing to society as you should or we see fit, then this is what's going to happen to you. And we don't realize it because we're so stuck on or transfixed on it being a black or white thing. Not saying it's not that. I'm not saying it's not part of the issue. Mm -hmm. But it's more or less what class you fall under, and that's what we missing. that is what's missing
0: yeah i I mean a hundred percent agree with you and just to go back to to what you were talking about earlier, just <coughs> hit on it again because I think you made it i mean an outstanding comparison, obviously a tragic situation you're talking about with that young girl being mutilated and and abused and raped, comparing that to somebody like yourself who's doing the same amount mm-hmm. of time. For a nonviolent crime um basically you're just no, providing a more. product <laughs> to a consumer right you're not you're not making uh, them yes. you're not making them do drugs you're not do, you know you're not harming them in any you're not like you're not harming them in any way maybe doing the drugs they'll still be harming themselves but somebody could go to the bar yeah. and get blacked out drunk and get in a car and go kill somebody and uh you know they're not arresting uh
1: nothing happened to the bartender. right right <laughs> yeah. but it's it's Hard. it's
0: it's crazy and uh I think more people are are waking up to just how crazy it is. I mean, I know I know people. More people are waking up. I'm just I'm not sure what the how widespread it is. Obviously, we are seeing a little bit of a movement here, thank thankfully, in the criminal justice system um, for uh, nonviolent drug offenders to uh, to get some sentencing relief and and things like that with the First Step Act, um, mm-hmm. and a- also with what yeah. President Obama did as well uh, towards the end of his term.
1: Yeah. And which I think was great initiatives. don't get me wrong. I personally I didn't read the benefits or well, let me take it back. I just now received some benefits for one of them that's how I was able to get off a couple of days early <laughs> then then suppose supposed you know like maybe a month early. but I mean, wow. I'm glad to see those that' still in that position or that predicament. Reap that benefit, and it should be a lot more. You know, I got, I got, a, I know guys, man, that Mr. Hicks, Mr. Hicks is serving 30 years, and he didn't get caught with anything. Somebody said he had that. You see, that's the thing, and he lost trial. Of course, if I'm doing 20 years, and you get, if I can get out of these 20 years by saying, okay, John got cocaine, John, he served cocaine, he sold me cocaine, and I get my friend to co- corroborate the story. And to collaborate. And we come together and say, yeah, John sold us drugs. Yeah. And we get two more people to say this. Now we got four. And the prosecution take this as evidence and submit it in the court of law and use it against you. And you fighting and say, hey, no, nah, I was upright. Nah, I didn't never do none of that stuff. Well, we got four against one. They say you did. We find you guilty. Now you get 30 years. What sense does that make?
0: Makes no it sense. Could be and a and the prosecutors prosecutors yeah. could not care less about finding the truth for getting to the root of what actually happened. Um, even if that was a just law, which it's not. Um, but, but yeah, mm-hmm. all, the, all they want is the conviction. Uh, they just. Conviction? That's...
1: Cause for them, conviction means more recognition, more recognition means promotion. Promotion means more money, more money for them. is feeding their family, right? Mm-hmm. Same as a drug dealer, <laughs> but on a, a different side of the law, because all you're trying to do is provide for your family. So you breaking the law, by by your, your mis, misuse of your, because you're supposed to uphold the law. So by you misusing that, the law to get a conviction, you're breaking the law.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, which, which is worse? You know the law. I come into this world not knowing the law because I don't study law. I, I know life and I'm going to survive by any means. So therefore, I'm in the streets doing whatever I have to do. I don't know the law. You know the law. You've sworn to keep the law. But yet, you use your powers to abuse the law just to get a conviction. You know? Well,
0: I, I have my like right opinion on which one's worse, and it's uh, it's not the drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. You know, but, you know, that's not I'm not trying to be judged, but I'm just stating mm-hmm. facts. Like, right now, I'm walking, literally, I'm walking on eggshells because of conspiracy laws. You know? Mm-hmm. Here it is. Now, I know I got caught red-handed with my drugs. And therefore, and I didn't cooperate with the government. I didn't give them anybody, no assistance. And that's why I got so much time. Now, literally, I could have done two years, three years maybe, had I cooperated with the government, which is, again, now you want me to tell you what somebody else is doing across town for a lighter sentence? That mean you could have gave me a lighter sentence from the beginning. Right. You know? So, I mean, I don't understand that part. You know, but that's what that's how it's working. And that's how the system is set up. So... You know, that's either here or there, but the fact remains is that now I'm walking on eggshells. I'm very particular who about who I talk to, what I talk about, because I'm not trying to associate myself with that lifestyle or somebody take the opportunity to throw me back in the pond because they figure I'm a big fish and they can get me back caught up by saying that, yo, yeah, he did. it's family members I don't even talk to. You see? That's it's crazy. people in the streets that i don't even talk it, it, but this is how i got to conduct myself and well if i want to stay a free citizen because of a snap of a finger by me being on probation or supervised release for 10 years now get that i served almost 20 years in prison now i got to serve 10 years of supervised release you see
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> another 10 years on supervised release. me i gotta be supervised for the next 10 years and if i mess up this i can get an additional 10 years for one drug charge that i did 20 years ago and how they get this me in this position they use charges that i have served time or got probation for prior to that so the system is really screwed up if you take a closer look at it and if you look at the dynamics of it you see who it affects mostly that's when you really got to question the justice or the injustice for that matter of the system you know absolutely that's why i that's why I tell you I don't mind talking about it I don't mind sharing my story. I don't mind letting people know I come from a broken home. My daddy was in prison my daddy spent most of his life in prison. My uncle spent most of his life in prison. my mom been on drugs my family's on drugs we know drugs we said this is where we come from. this is where I come from. I'm not ashamed of that because now you're looking at a, a man that's that can stand in your face and admit his flaws admit what he did wrong and apologize for it, and accept responsibilities and move on. you standing in a man that want to make a difference. And not be a part of the problem, but yet come up with some solutions. And now I'm not saying we should ride and burn down. No, that's that's never a solution. What I'm saying, we should educate ourselves. And that's where I started at. Because I was once illiterate. I was once, you know, I, I could write and read just enough to get by. But I wasn't able to talk to you and articulate myself and express how I feel and what I thought about situations until until I started to educate myself. And, so, and, you looking at edu-
0: Educating yourself, <laughs> did that happen while you were in prison?
1: Yeah, because yes, of course. When mm-hmm. I went to prison, I was reading on a maybe an eighth grade level. Okay, and I came across this quote of, from Frederick Douglass. It says, um, "Having no resources within, he was compelled to be a copyist. And doing such, he was the, he forever the victim of inconsistencies." That quote by Frederick Douglass, right there, woke me up for many reasons. For one, when I first read it, I said, "You know, I was always intrigued by Frederick Douglass." Once I read his bar you know biography, and you know learned about it, right. so when I' seen that quote i was, I didn't know what it meant. I didn't have a clue what a copyist was. I didn't have a clue what he meant by having resources. I didn't have a clue what inconsistency was, so what I did was dissect that whole quote, word for word, word for word, you know what it was, right word for word. Once I figured out and got a clear understanding of what he meant, I realized that all I did was all my life was be a copyist to what I thought was, was supposed to be right, what I thought was supposed to be cool, what I thought was supposed to be hip. All I did was copy those I seen, and I didn't have any resources, meaning I didn't have no education, I didn't have no word all of what I should do as an individual, and I was ever a victim of inconsistency. My life was up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, nothing. In a smooth plane. So, but once I started educating myself and realized who I was as a person, realized who I was as a man, and started applying that change, and started living that change, that's when I started to have that consistency I need to be successful. And now that I'm out, I've been out six months and I'm happy. I'm happy, more happy than I ever been in my life. And I've had some ups and downs now because that's life in action, as I said before. But I'm happy. I work every day. You know, I'm learning every day. I go to school three days out of the week. I work six days out of the week, and I'm moving in the right direction. And the money I make is nowhere near to what I used to make. But it's, it, it, can't never, it can never compare. It never can compare. I'm making wealth now. I'm building a legacy. I'm able to say that I'm going to be here. If God's will, I'm going to be here the next year, two years, five years, ten years, to take care and assist my family in any kind of way, shape, form, or fashion. And that's the difference. That is the difference. But the justice system didn't help me to get to this point by locking me up. I could have easily been vindictive. I could have been easily been bitter because the justice system doesn't provide the tools that's needed for individuals to really rehabilitate themselves to become what I became today. And I'm not bragging or boasting. I'm just calling it how it is. The justice system I, I, and I being in the you. Department of Corrections, they don't provide none of this. If you don't have the initiative to get up, get out and go get it, it's not going to be there for you.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. You know, I had to spend my own money that I've earned by working in Unicor in prison to, you know, do the things that I've done. I had to spend my own money to get corresponding courses when they took away the corresponding courses for free. When they took away the college courses, they left one of my degrees on the table because they didn't pay for it. You know, it was a social degree in business administration. I wasn't able to get it because <laughs> the prison I was at didn't pray for it. So I was in a dilemma of like, okay, what do I do? I spend my own money for corresponding courses. So now, and like when I come home from prison, I go right into school. Now that I allow the pay, to get the Pell grants again. I filed for the FAFSA and got my pay grant and I'm going to school, which I still have to pay some of my own money, but not as much. But, you know, you would think that after serving almost 20 years in prison, I would have some kind of aid. It's no process for me. You know, that I have to be in a certain position, a certain state. My job won't allow me to get no assistance, you know, because I, I guess I make too much. But I guess $500, 600 a week is too much to get any assistance for a guy that served 20 years in prison. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. It's a lot that needs to be reformed. And people need, in my situation, I feel like people need to share their stories more too.
0: Absolutely, man. That's that's why I have this show. And I just want to go back to that Frederick Douglass quote. I mean, that that is so mm-hmm. powerful, man. I mean, it doesn't even and it applies to everyone. I mean, do you know how many people? are out there who are just trying to be <laughs> copies of what they see, what they see on social media, what they see on television, what they see, how their friends are acting at work. or I mean, it's, not, mm-hmm. it's, it's everywhere. People are so afraid to be <laughs> individuals, so afraid to be different, so, so afraid to just be genuine. Um, that's, that's just a, an awesome quote. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, I won't say they're afraid to be. They just don't know how. True. When you don't know who you are, then what are you going to do? You're going to be whatever you see. So you have to know who you are. They don't know. And we're not in the, we're not in the business of educating people who they are. We're not in the business of educating people on an individual basis. We educated as a whole, as a mass, we educate many as we can and we don't pay attention to the individuals. And we wonder why a kid may be lacking. You know, he may not be a hands-on person. He want may he be more visual. He may not be a visual, or she may not be as visual. She may be more hands-on. Mm-hmm. But we don't know this because we don't, we're not in the business of educating as individuals. We're in the business of educating in the masses, and that masses should be like we want them to be as a society. Society says, say, okay, this is how you should be. You should go to school for X, Y, Z years. Then after years, you should get a career. Then after that, you should pay your taxes, blah, 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 blah. That may not work for you. That may not work for me or her. But that's what society is structured. That is the way it's supposed to go and that's how we educate and that's how we build our society and that's how we structure it and that's what sometimes we lack at. so we got individuals that hey i can't do the school thing i drop out and so i'm doing the street thing or i'm doing whatever mm-hmm. and it's not conducive to us as a whole we are falling you know short because we're not looking at individuals and structuring things that can help us as individuals and not as a whole
0: because before I can get to 10 I got to start at 1 right mhm yeah absolutely man um I'm definitely going to have to have you back on I do want to dig more into your books though unfortunately we're we're limited on time mm. today there's one more question yeah. I do want to ask you all right um but definitely do want to have you back on so last question so I believe that you know each person has a unique gift you know you call it a, a superpower, call it something that you know they're they're really that <laughs> the, they're really good at. And uh yeah. I'm just curious, what what is that one thing that you think really either sets you apart from others or really helps you to serve others or helps you to make an impact um, with, with other people?
1: Mm. One thing I feel that separates me from others and is my ability to never ever give up. No matter the situation, no matter what's What's in front of me, like, you know, some things I went through last month, personal things, you know, and I I put it out there I'm a little relationship, you know, that really put me in a dark place. But guess what? I understand why that relationship was all that situation was. And I didn't give up. Mm -hmm. And I didn't dwell on it. And I understand I'm willing to say, hey, I was wrong or I did this. I did that. Not. Oh, they did this. They did that. That's what separates me. I'm willing to look in the mirror and say, you know what? Draco, you messed up this time. Draco, you was wrong. That's my superpower is recognizing where I went wrong and correct it. Like I say, live in the solution and not the problem. Come up with a solution and not be a part of the problem. That's what separates me from rest. From rest. Because I learned in life when you're able to do that, you're able to get over that spirit mirror. You're able to get over that hump. And you able to get over that broken bridge and mend things back together and get back in life and get back at it and play your role because remember life is in action. What part are you gonna play? What are you gonna do? Like a good friend of mine say, "What you gonna do, sink or swim?" I'm swimming, John. What about you?
0: I, I love that man. That is yeah. That, that, that is awesome. That's, <laughs> I mean, it's self awareness. That is. So important, exactly. something that something that I struggle with, um, but that is that's such an important skill. So I agree with Excuse you. That, that is a it's superpower that, for sure.
1: Yeah. It's funny that you say that, right? Because in prison, I taught a course. I taught a course that I went to the education department and set up a curriculum that I taught called self-awareness. And this is what I taught, how to try to instill that into your life. Mm-hmm. I think I may need to do that out here.
0: <laughs> I think so too, man. I think so too. Well, yeah. I just want to thank you again right. for for coming on man, the nope. show, and uh, we'll have you back in a little while here and and dig more into uh, yeah. into your books and and really talk about how you were All able right. to write uh, write these books. Did you write them All both right. in yeah. prison, or, did, or one of them in prison, or?
1: Yeah, I wrote both I guess, of them in prison. I guess you would have had working, them both, man, yeah. Yeah, I wrote both of them in prison and got them published while in prison with a lot of help from so, you know I don't know if it's okay to say their names, but you know, um, Sabrina Wingard, she helped me a lot. Um, Ebony Robinson, she helped me a lot. So it's a a, a long list of people that helped Mm me a a lot publishing the Notebooks or getting those books out there. So, you know, I can't, like, feel like, say, like, oh, I did it, I did it. It wasn't me. It was a group of people that believed in me, that supported me, and that helped me along the way. And I can't, like, with the whole BTS, there's another publishing thing called Beneath the Surface Publishing. And like I said, Sabrina Wingard ahead of that. And she helped me out with that in a tremendous way. So, you know, and Ebony always been one that was encouraging me, hey, keep going, keep writing, keep doing this, keep doing that. So it's it's a group of people that helped me make it happen. But it was just sure determination that that, that once I, you know, it's just (laughs) the inability to give up. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. And I'm not going to revert to what I used to be, you know. So... Yeah, we have to, man. We have to get back and link up again and do this again. Like I said, I don't mind. I really appreciate it, and like I say, it helps. You know, I tell people because I too host co-host a podcast called The Stones Will Cry Out with Mister Nita White. Yeah, and we do the same thing. We get chances for people to you know tell these stories, and I reach back to guys I know that's getting out of prison, and you know it's the same thing. So it's one big family how I see it, and we have to support each other. That's and awesome. I'm here to support you any way I can. Uh, anything you need, if we got you know big convention and you need me to come there to speak live, I, I do that too. <laughs> awesome, I'm, I'm, I'm down for the cause, man.
0: And I'm um, uh, I'm looking at your two books right now on Amazon, so they are available yes, on on Amazon. Yes, I put links. Yeah, I put links on the show mm-hmm. notes page.
1: Uh, all right, yeah, appreciate it. Or you know, they can contact me. You know, like me on Facebook at Draco Sullivan, um, and as well as. Um, Instagram, uh, Twitter, the real Draco 77. So, you know, I'm on those social media sites and they can contact me and I'll be happy to to mail you a copy, you know? So that that works that way too. So, but right now I'm just trying to focus and stay above water and keep swimming.
0: I I love that. Keep swimming. That might be the title of the podcast. That's
1: uh that's keep swimming. You got to, and I owe that to a good friend of mine. See, see, that's not mine. So you always tell me Draco, what you going to do? think a
0: swim.
1: Hmm. I said, I'm a swim. Bee. We call it B. I said, I'm a swim. <laughs> I'm a swim. <laughs> That's great. Yeah.
0: All right, man. Well, thank you for coming on the show, and uh, we'll be talking right. soon. No
1: problem. Yeah, man. Stay in touch.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode with Draco Sullivan. Um, just another awesome guy. And I don't know if when you guys were listening to Draco's story today, to listening to listening to the wisdom he was dropping, it's just so, it's become so apparent to me that there is so much incredible value that we can learn from these stories. I mean, these stories themselves are amazing. They're motivational. Obviously, there is much tragedy involved in spending 20, 21 freaking years or 21 year sentence, spending 18 years in prison. There is a lot of, uh, I mean that's just unacceptable, that's ridiculous. I can't imagine there's more than five percent of the population out there that would be so draconian to think that that is a good thing. But there's still people in prison today serving sentences that long and longer, serving life sentences for the crime of selling marijuana at that um, but a but a nonviolent drug transaction. But just to come to circle back, I do want to talk about you know the story is powerful. Draco is an impressive individual who has been able to use this story and channel that energy into helping to influence and inspire others. And there really is a trend developing. I'm seeing in a lot of these interviews that I have with uh, with formerly incarcerated individuals that the ones who really come out on the other side and have this tremendous success have this mindset. Um, it's really the same mindset that you find in successful entrepreneurs, successful business people, people who find success in any aspects of life. And I think that is worth looking into. And it's worth, uh, it's worth examining closer because that is one of the reasons why I've decided to, one of the things I'm doing, of course, I'm shining a light in the story on the injustice, but also shining a light on the individual the knowledge that they have that they've gleaned from this difficult circumstance and i think more people need to access this information so please share this episode uh the felony friday solo feed is coming guys i am, I am so sorry it is not out yet uh, life is crazy uh, I'm, I'm working at it and when it comes out you guys will know it um That's all I say today. I will leave it at that. Just really excited that I was able to have Draco on the show. We'll have him back on in a couple weeks or months um, to talk about these two books and to dive more into his mindset. So, hope everybody has a great weekend. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning.